You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hi, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I'm Andrew Berkshire, and I'm here with Mary Clark from For the Win. we got a pretty exciting show for you today. We are going to talk about jerseys. First and foremost, who has the best jersey? Who has the best logo? Because, you know, it's September. It's right before training camp starts. we got to do the fun stuff, like ranking visual stuff. Uh, then we're going to have to continue our cross-check summer crossover. We're actually getting close to the end here. We're going to have all 32 teams previewed on the Crosscheck NHL show. Today we're going to talk to Locked On Sabres Joe DiBiase and Locked On Leafs Mike DiStefano to preview those two Atlantic Division teams who have very, very different expectations heading into 2021. But before we get into the hockey stuff, Mary, how you doing? Good. I think we couldn't have picked two teams on the opposite ends of the hockey success spectrum. Right? I am sad that I had to miss those interviews because... Uh, I, I work and I've got I've got stuff going on and in case you missed it I'm now full time which is which is cool uh, yes so, congratulations thank you things are gonna change a little bit I'm not sure what my schedule will be like but my they said I can continue with the podcast so I'm gonna continue for as long as I can because um, I like doing this and it's fun chatting with you Andrew and everybody else so yeah it's great um, so it's been a very fun week uh, for me in terms of you know good news and stuff like that and we're heading into the weekend so that means more football but today is my my monday since i work a very weird schedule so back at it in terms of work but i'm super pumped because i got that full-time job so the the rare and amazing thing for every media person the full-time job Oh yeah, don't don't I know it, Andrew? Uh, but <laughs> it's been it's been good, and I'm very excited for hockey to come back though. And it's and my hope is that this is one of the last times we have to talk about nonsense. Uh, and hopefully next week we'll get to talk about actual news. I mean, even before we started recording, I saw I think what I think the Maple Leafs are playing in a Heritage Classic. I don't remember which teams, but I think I saw that very briefly before. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, hold on. I'll 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 look it up while you continue on with the opening, but All right, sounds good. So yeah, I mean, I was looking around just in doing the interviews with uh, all of our locked on local experts to preview all these teams. I have noticed like there are some stories that have yet to break, right? right? Like some players who are still left unsigned, like Rasmus Dahlin is not signed yet uh, for the Sabres. It's something that we We'll have to eventually talk about when he signs. There's all sorts of RFAs still out there. There's some so, like solid players still on the UFA market that will be signed, you know, as injuries happen in training camp or, you know, cap spots open up. It'll be interesting to see those things. And then, you know, as training camp starts up and preseason, there's a nonstop amount of uh, news that can happen and speculation we can get uh wild with you know whoever loses their first preseason game who's a stanley cup contender we can say they're garbage now exactly that's always the way that's to go how, yeah that's how it works but i did find out who it was and it's funny that the nhl planned this i'm pretty sure it's the maple leafs and the buffalo sabers in the no tim hortons heritage classic in, on march 13th at tim hortons field in ontario well one thing that we know is that those two teams have diametrically opposed uh, seasons that are about to happen. Uh, Maple Leafs are expected to be contenders and the Sabres are expected to be tanking. But one thing we know from past history is that the Maple Leafs are going to lose that game. Uh, <laughs> they don't beat the Sabres, like, ever. It's just something that doesn't happen. The Sabres just, oh, no matter how bad the Sabres are, they always seem to beat the Leafs. So, 
Look forward to that loss, Leafs fans. <laughs> I'm sure that we'll all look forward to Steve Dangle's LFR about how, you know, some crazy thing happened and their fourth string goaltender for the Sabres beat them in a Heritage Classic game on national television. It'll be epic. But uh, before we get stuck on the Leafs and Sabres, uh, our good buddy Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter did some polling and he came up with, based on the fans' rankings, what are the best home jerseys? So that's the color jerseys, not the white ones, uh, in the NHL. And I have a bone to pick with, I guess, every fan uh, who, who voted on this. Because the number one jersey is the Kachina jersey of the Arizona Coyotes. And I'm sorry, I know that it's a local indigenous art style. That jersey is awful. It's so bad. It's so ugly. It clashes so badly. It's so 90s that I understand that there's a nostalgia behind it. But, like, the average person doesn't even know what it is. Like, you look at that thing. It doesn't even look like a coyote. So, like, I understand where it comes from. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much. And the fact that the majority of people are hooking on to that because of some nostalgic stupidity from the 90s. Get out of here. You want to wow. be nostalgic about a jersey? Be nostalgic about, like... The 1980s Canucks jersey that was actually nice. The skate. Oh, is one. that the is that the like black and orange? Yes. It, yes. Okay. Where all it's right. like the colors are awful, but it's like awful, ugly, cool. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like uh, the the color, the vibrant colors of the late 80s, early 90s jerseys. That's I understand nostalgia for that. The mid 90s, like dark, washed out colors. Nah, not I'm not doing it. Not doing it. So you're just not a fan of nostalgia, Andrew. That's sad to hear because I do like this jersey. I'm not surprised that it's number one. Uh, I enjoy it. I can understand why people though get are not a fan of it or think it's overrated. I get you. Um, what surprised me though is the Seattle Kraken at number three because See, I think they're surprise me. Well, I think their white jerseys are better than their home jerseys. I think their home mm, jerseys are a you. little bit worse. I would have ranked their white jersey if this was an away ranking. I would have ranked that I think number 3. But I think maybe their home jersey, I don't know. I do like it, don't get me wrong. I like the colors, but I think the white is better. Uh so it surprised me a little bit cuz I thought that was kind of the consensus, but I guess I don't know the fans as well as I thought I did. I think it's just that they're the new hotness, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it comes down to people like the logo. I mean, I especially like the shoulder logo, their their secondary logo. Is for it the, the anchor? The yeah, I like the I like the anchor more than the S. Like, yeah, the S is fine, but I the S kind of reminds me of when you're in school and you draw that S based on like the lines. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, <laughs> that everyone drew in their notebook. So like that kind of loses a little bit of points for me, but I I really like the anchor. Um, I think the. Whenever it's the new hotness, you're going to get a little bit of, like, overrated. But I do think the Kraken should get points for not only cool design, but also uh, colors that aren't necessarily used together in the NHL. Like, they didn't do anything with a black jersey or or red or dark blue like every other team is. Yeah, the only know? red is in the little eye of the yeah. S. Um, so like, and it, like, I think it features a little bit in, like, their accent. It's like their accent color, but it's not their main yeah. color. Their, their primary colors are not colors that are normally used, right? So, like, I give points to them, like the Sharks, the Avalanche, uh, the teams that used different colors than the rest of the league. They get points for me. Yeah, and... I agree. I'm absolutely a big fan of the Seattle Kraken's whole branding. I mean, I have a hat of theirs. I got a shirt, too, with the Anchor logo. So I'm all in on the Seattle Kraken there. I think they're my second favorite team, uh, just based on aesthetics alone. Yeah. Uh, So I'm absolutely here for it. 
Um, so we're not going to run through the whole list because I don't want to, you know, ruin all the all the work that JFresh put in on this. Um, but it was the Arizona Coyotes Kachina jersey at number one, the Habs at number two, which isn't a surprise considering. Yeah, it's just like it's a classic, right? Yeah, it's a classic. Uh, Seattle at three, the Ottawa Senators new ones at number yeah, four. Not buying that one either. Like, yeah, how same. nostalgia driven is this? Like. I like that logo better than their it's, old logo, or the, that's the, the one, the previous their, logo. Their previous logo, their, I guess, is not current anymore, but the one they've used for the last 10 years or so, is so bad that they think that this one is good now. It's a better logo. It's still not good. Also, it's not a senator. Yeah. It's a legionnaire. So, like... <laughs> Points off. Their whole concept of jersey design is awful. And also, like, the Ottawa Senator's jersey... All like all together, the colors are just not. Great it's just black me. and red. Yeah, black and red with a little bit of like poop gold. <laughs> I like the new logo. At least I think that's much better than their old it's an one. Improvement. Yeah, I like the. I don't know. It looks more put together than the other one. The other one just had a very weird face. This one at least looks like it. Basically, looks like uh, what you see on the back of a coin. To yes. Me. Yeah. Uh, and so the other one was like this weird three D thing that never really worked. Yeah. Yeah. Boston at number five. Boston Bruins jersey is timeless. It just is. Yeah. I, I do think it, the one thing that makes me disagree with Boston that high is I think in terms of black and yellow teams, uh, Pittsburgh does it better because they incorporate more yellow. Yeah, I do I, like I, I that. I just like the yellow jersey better than the, the black. I just like a lot of black on a jersey just bores me. Yeah. It doesn't pop on TV. Although like of teams that do black jerseys, Boston's is the best. But I would put Pittsburgh ahead of them. But the differentiation is small. Yeah, and they're, what, seventh to Boston's fifth? Yeah, exactly. It's not a big gripe. Yeah, I like the Penguins jerseys now that they went away from that other yellow and they are now at the bright yellow. I've liked them. Like, I've liked those jerseys more since they went that way. The other yellow, like, yellow gold was just, ugh. It was gross. Uh, The Flames are on there. Uh, What surprised me, though... Is the Maple Leafs are at thirteenth? I thought that would be like a top five jersey. I always thought that their blue and whites were classic. I mean, I know it's kind of boring, but yeah, to I me, they're really the, clean. It's the two colors, right? And I would assume that the Maple Leafs lose points because the Lightning are so similar, and that's not fair because the Lightning straight up copied them. Yeah, well, the but, Lightning are twenty fifth on this list. Yeah, so. I know. I mean, and the Lightning deserve to be twenty fifth because like their jersey is awful. It is straight up a carbon copy of the Maple Leafs. It's. Super boring, <laughs> super uninspired. Uh, uh, let's talk about like a few that surprises because like I thought the the Rangers being so high was super surprising. Really, I've always thought that people liked the Rangers jerseys. I, I mean, just, I don't know why. Uh, to me, it's another one of those. I I don't rate it. I mean, I guess I rate it better than some of the other ones on this list. But I think people think of it as a classic, like red, yeah, white, and blue. Like, I guess to me, it's a classic completely uninspired but has also been around forever so i guess people like it because it's old and also represents the worst original six team by <laughs> country mile yeah i mean like i would have detroit above them buffalo way fan. above them i'm a big fan of i mean i don't know if i necessarily like the ranger script but i've always been a big fan of scripts like script writing on hockey jerseys uh it reminds me very much of college hockey um, and I have my roots in college hockey, and I've always enjoyed, you know, the script ones. The Minnesota Wild had a script jersey that I like. Yeah, um, I, maybe that's the disconnect is like, yeah, because I hate the script jerseys. <laughs> no, it, to me, have. it reminds me of college uh, college hockey. So I think maybe it's just my love of college hockey bleeding through a little bit. I, I, I get why people don't like them, but I always found something very vintage 
about those jerseys just you know more you know small teams you know small arenas maybe it's just maybe it's just my my nostalgia hitting in <laughs> definitely could be and as for like we should mention the worst the ducks is uh the worst by a fair amount actually uh yeah sounds yeah. right <laughs> it's pretty bad mm-hmm. go back to the mighty ducks it's way better i mean to have the confidence and i feel like la is in this category as well to have the confidence to bring out a, like a purple jersey do it man mm-hmm. that's the best the la kings uh state or not stadium series series what was it called this year reverse retro yeah mm-hmm. that reverse retro with the the yellow and purple was the best jersey they've ever had yeah uh, agreed they should make that their their permanent home jersey i feel bad uh, for the ducks because i i i know people hate that logo i enjoy the the like uh it's inspired design yeah, with the, the D. The design is interesting in it that. just the colors are awful. Yeah. And it just doesn't work super well. I feel like if they just use the D and change the colors up, maybe it would be better. But again, I think nostalgia for the Mighty Ducks is what also colors our perception of that because the, the nostalgia for the Mighty Ducks logo is like super strong, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just that was something that we essentially grew up with uh other teams that i thought that were a little bit low um classic jerseys that i think stand the test of time that they've gotten it right the first time philadelphia flyers with the orange jersey is fantastic new jersey devils is like perfect iconic logo design if you talk to any graphic designer it's like that simplicity easy for somebody to draw and it incorporates multiple things it's got the n and the j for new jersey in there and the devil details it's just simple and perfect the colors work well together i think they would be better off to reincorporate some of the green that they had originally uh the islanders home jersey i love that jersey like i'm surprised that somebody's got ranked so low and some of them are like self-inflicted like the oilers are ranked 26th because they're jersey is terrible now yeah they, they need to go back to practice jersey yeah they need to go back to is that the orange one what i i like the blue one okay the maybe it's one. the blue maybe it's the blue okay it's the blue one you're right but they changed their shade of blue i think yes. and now their blue is darker it used to be lighter go back yeah, to the lighter colors one. they just don't work as well like i think that hockey thinks that you have to have darker colors to be intimidating but they just don't work on television i mean to be fair a lot of sports fall into that trap i mean it's not necessarily darker colors a lot of sports teams fall into the trap of, you know, red and blue. I mean, especially yeah. in baseball, like that's a huge thing. I'm I'm kind of surprised that the Dallas Stars are down in the bottom five because I would, you know, like to think that people want more of the different colors, like the greens. I like their current green that they have. Yeah, um, victory green, I think they call it. Yeah, I think it's actually a very sharp uh, jersey. Um, and it's not yeah, something that's, that's a- you see in the NHL much. I mean, it's one of the more unique colors, and I'm sad that it's in the bottom five because it's I definitely think a unique color and a unique jersey, like a unique jersey type. Yeah, it is, and I think that's one that was very divisive from the moment that it came out. That I saw people saying it was like their best jersey ever, and I saw people saying that it was like the worst jersey ever. But I think what hurts the Dallas Stars logo slash jersey is that the if you look at the design of it the 3D D and 3D stars is very like early 2000s. So from the moment that it came out, it looked kind of dated. And I I think the colors are on point. I like where they're going, but they didn't nail it. If you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I think that they're at a, at a spot where they could easily nail it. And I think that uh, the Jersey that they rolled out last year with the neon, with the Texas 
in the mm-hmm. background, that could go a long way towards fixing it if they could reincorporate that. And the the D was just one color the whole way through instead of having the 3D. I don't like the neon and black necessarily, but I do like the what they did with that jersey logo. So I think there's something salvageable there, but I understand why it ranked low. I, I think that it's one of those things where you have to applaud them for trying something new, but they didn't quite nail it. Yeah, Justice for green, though. We should see more different. We should see different colors. I mean, I know yes. we've got like the Minnesota Wild, the San Jose Sharks are like a teal. I've got teal going on. I mean, the Seattle Kraken are blue, kind of like light blue teal. Uh, some more justice for those types of colors, in my opinion, uh, on hockey jerseys. We should were you move surprised away from that red and the blue. Vegas Golden Knights were like solidly mid tier? I'm surprised they were above, you know, more classic teams like the Flyers. Yeah. I mean, I see nothing wrong with the Flyers jersey. I get that orange may not be everybody's cup of tea, but like, uh, but I'm one of those the, people. Having the bravery to put orange out there when nobody else was. Like, I love that. Yeah. So do I. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I think the Flyers should be higher. Uh, I'm surprised Vegas is kind of mid-table because i think their white jerseys are better than their their colored jerseys as i do with a lot of things i think the white is just more cleaner um i don't know i i think that's probably where they should sit i think if this was an away jersey ranking they would be much higher in my opinion but yeah um that's just because i'm a big fan of the like it's the white jersey with you know the gold trim and i don't know it just it's it looks very nice and also they have the white gloves i know people don't like that but i liked the white gloves i think they're really it makes the whole it's unique outfit yeah like i understand why some people don't like it but i i think anytime you try something that nobody else is doing like i, I didn't like the gold helmets but <laughs> the gold helmets looked stupid they're too much but like a notre dame it's too much like okay. notre dame football yeah. uh that's the shout out for like, college uh, football I think, people i think it's like in the swedish league they used i don't know if they still do but they used to put the gold helmet on the, like the league leading scorer oh really yeah interesting i and, didn't know that uh, yeah but i don't know if they do that anymore but that's what it reminded me of so i was like it was almost like they were putting the gold helmet on everyone. Like, we're all the leading scorer. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, the jersey rankings. Is there any other that you wanted to touch on of the the ones that were in there? No, um, I'd, I'm looking up some of them now just to refresh my memory because it's been a little bit. Uh, man, I was a bit surprised the Jets were so high. Interesting. I do kind of like their look. Um, it's I also, okay. I also like the uh, St. Louis Blues jersey. Uh, I like the blue-yellow-white combo. I think that that's a really nice set of like just a nice color combination um i think that that's properly ranked uh at 12 it's you know unique colors i think i think that they do that set of color combo better than the nashville predators which is yellow blue and white just in a different order of you know preference prominence. yeah prominence yeah yeah yeah. so i think yeah, they the do predators that color still have better. not nailed a jersey yeah and it's a shame because i do think that they could do a lot more like with that color combination it's just because i think their jerseys are too predominantly yellow with that like blue stripe on the bottom i don't know yeah they need something to break up the yellow a little bit yeah yeah i'm trying to like it's a tough it's a tough balance right because you don't want to be too busy like the kachina jersey i find is way too busy you look at like the borders separating parts of the jersey and i find it to be distracting (laughs) <laughs> and like really awful but the the predators kind of went the opposite direction and even when they released like a, i think their new jersey a few years ago their home jersey is just like the logo in yellow yeah There's almost no i like on it at all and i like the logo like i think the logo was really cool i mean i think people would maybe say it's more like a 
a college university football logo rather than like a hockey logo. But I think it's really cool. I just I I hope that they do more stuff with it in the future because I think the possibilities are there for this like this jersey. Um, and like I said, this is a unique color combination, so they can do different things with it. Though to be fair, I don't think everybody's going to be happy like with any you know jersey, you know redesign. There's always somebody that's not going to be. Oh yeah, there's nothing it. universal. Yeah, yeah. So here's hoping though that they figure it out because I think that there is possibility here for some really cool stuff. Yeah, totally agree. All right, so uh, we're going to move on from that. Coming up next, we have our interview with Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabers. But before that, we got to tell you about Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back out to start their football season. We're a couple weeks in now. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's doubling your money right off the hop. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with Joe DiBiase from Locked On Sabres. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I was just like, it's, it's early in the morning. We're recording. And I was like, hold on a second. Yep. Do I have this right? I got to make sure I got this right. Locked on NHL too. Locked on NHL NHL as well. Uh, Joe's uh, multi-talented. And I think you recently got a promotion, didn't you? I I did. WGR Sports Radio 550. I am co-hosting the 10 to 12 show, which is mostly revolving around the Buffalo Bills. But we do some Sabres as well. well. So, yeah, that's exciting. That just came about in the last week or so. Yeah, probably a little bit easier to talk positive about the Bills these days than the Sabres. Oh, I mean, you don't even you don't even know how much easier it is to talk about them right now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more fun, definitely in the offing. Uh, a little bit more certainty. Everything's a little bit easier. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, I have to make you talk about the Sabres today. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, pretty uh, general questions. We're previewing all 32 NHL teams for the Crosscheck Summer Crossover. Essentially, uh, to start things out, who's in and who's out for the Sabres? Uh, this year relative to last year. I know it's hard to like actually mm-hmm. gauge this because the Jack Eichel trade has not yet happened. So we'll do what we right. can. Maybe it'll happen as soon as we're done. We don't know. I, I would put him in the, the out column though, for now, even though mm-hmm. he's still on the roster, uh, his surgery situation is still not resolved. 
his willingness to play for the team uh, might not be resolved. He might not want to show up. Even if he was healthy, the Sabres might not want him to show up if he was healthy. So really there's three facets of the Eichel situation that I think will keep him from playing for them. So I would put him in the out column for right now, even though he only played in limited action last season as well. Um, so Eichel not going to be on the team to start the season. Sam Reinhardt traded to the Florida Panthers for a first round pick next season, as well as a goalie prospect and Devin Levy. Um, Rasmus Ristolainen out the door. Sabre fans have been dying to see that guy traded for years now. That finally happened. They did pretty well. They got the 14th overall pick in the NHL draft, uh, just selected a prospect, Isaac Rosen. So a lot of the, the, the pieces they acquired, you're hearing me say prospect, guys that are not going to be on this team this season. The Sabres were looking to build up their prospect pool to build up the futures uh, on this team this offseason. So those are the main staples that really went out the door. Lena Solmark, though, would be the other one. That is going to be... I think the key to why the Sabres are going to be the worst team in hockey this year. I think Allmark has been a relatively good goalie. He's been above average. He's been top 10 in five on five safe percentage each of the last three seasons. So his decision to leave in free agency for the Bruins, who gave him a great offer. I mean, how could you pass on that? Four years, five million per on a team that's a Stanley Cup contender. I mean, nobody here is he's not going to get booed. When he no, comes back yeah. here, because everyone can completely understand why Allmark, who was a very well-liked player, um, would want that opportunity in Boston, even though it is Boston. So those are really the big three guys that have left and then throw Eichel in on top of it. And guys that have come in, like, it's just kind of, you know, these journeyman types. Vinny Hina Stroza, who I didn't even know existed until this offseason, who played for the <laughs> Coyotes. Uh, Ryan McKinnis. They brought back Drake Kajula. Uh, they brought in Robert Hag from the Philadelphia Flyers, more of like a third pair defenseman. They traded for Will Butcher as more of a cap move. They were helping the Devils get rid of some salary. Um, but Will Butcher is a name that you've heard of that I think is okay. I think he's an NHL defenseman that'll be on this team. So really the guys they brought in don't really, uh, they don't excite very much, I would say. No, and it seems like even from the goaltending perspective between Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell, there's a lot of question marks there. Anderson is quite old and despite being a spectacular goaltender at his prime, you know, mm-hmm. at age 40, you don't know how many games he's going to play, how well he's going to be able to do. And Dell is like a AHL NHL tweener kind of thing. So it, it's a lot of uh, tanky looking moves from the Buffalo Sabres, which I think probably yeah. is hard to swallow for the fan base because mm-hmm. they've already been through this once and not gotten anywhere, but they're kind of backed into a corner, but let's try to, spin a little bit of positivity if we can and yeah. you know, like we talked about like Rasmus was the line and I think they did amazing in that trade in uh, the assets they were able assets that they were able to acquire but uh, let's talk about Sam Ventura because he's a guy who's had a lot of success mm-hmm. uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, I know him fairly well uh, from doing like analytics conferences and stuff like that he's a very smart guy mm-hmm. very easy to like guy do you think that this is possibly the dawn of a new era in Buffalo where Maybe, you know, it's it's tough to rebuild again, but with somebody who's smart and consistent at the top or near the top, maybe we can finally get something going here. I I do. I think that was maybe I'm I'm glad you brought him up because in terms of additions, I mean, for even the fans, let alone me, like I think that's the most exciting addition of the offseason is this this direction going towards a more data driven type of mindset that has not existed in this organization at all. I mean, whenever you see. Um, 
Oh, I'm trying to remember who does this on Twitter. Someone puts out a chart of like all the analytics uh, p- executives in the league, and you can kind of get a sense of like how many um, how many data people each team has. And the Sabers, it's always just been one guy. It's been Jason Nightingale, who is their director of analytics. And from what I've heard about Jason Nightingale, is he's not really looking at much that's very deep, not a lot of deep analysis. Like he's looking at high danger scoring chances and he's looking at uh, Corsi and Fenwick and stuff that really me and you could look up online and make judgments from. So I don't really think they had an analytics department before this season. I think Sam Ventura is going to be tasked with building that. Um, and I think the assistant general manager, Jason Carmanos, they brought in as well. I think this was kind of his, his call, his decision. I think and Kevin Adams is doing right here. Kevin Adams is kind of listening to those around him that, would have experience in these areas and he's trying to do it differently than the previous general managers did, even though he doesn't have the experience that they did. So I think that he's relying on and he's trusting these guys. I think Ventura with some of the models that, that he entrusts in, I know I followed him on Twitter for a long time and I wish I could go back and tell you about some of the the charts and the models that he would put out there, but he deleted all of his tweets, which is probably (laughs) smart. Probably smart now that you were probably tweeting about guys that are on your team. Now you're not going to want that. Um, But the Ristolainen move is like the, the pinnacle example of the shift here because Ristolainen for years, we've always been arguing about him here in Buffalo because he looks the part he is six foot five. He can skate with the best of them. He's got a rocket of a shot. He is going to bury you into the boards. You are not standing in front of the net when he is on the ice and like, he's my dad's favorite player. Like, and he's probably other Sabre fans, dad's favorite player. Like he plays the game. Like he would have been a top defenseman in the seventies and in the eighties. That's how he plays the game. But look at his zone exits, look at his possession metrics. The guy gets run over in his own end. And it's not just advanced metrics. You can look at how he plays the position. Every time he's in his own end, his head is down. He's not looking for forwards that are streaking up the neutral zone to hit them with the tape to tape pass. It's head down. Let me chip it out. And it's basically a punt to make a football comparison. It's a punt back to the other team every single time turning over possession. And I think until you got a more data driven mindset, you weren't going to recognize that, okay, this is not a guy we should be playing 25 minutes a night anymore, but let alone even be on our team. I mean, I, I made the case he'd be okay as an 18, 19 minute guy, but they just never got there. So I think them bringing in Carmanos, bringing in Ventura, and then deciding to ship out Rasmus Ristolainen, I think they're going a lot more analytical here in Buffalo. And I think that's something to, to feel positive about. Yeah, it's something to hold on to. And speaking of things to hold on to, I think that there's a little bit of uh, fresh air in the coaching perspective as well, right? I think Don Granado won some some fans last season. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it seems as much as... Uh, there was hope around the last guy it a lot of what he was peddling seemed to not ever follow through on the ice so uh, in terms of from a coaching perspective do you think the sabers are going to play a different style of hockey this year or is it going to be more of a year of uh, establishing a culture kind of thing and moving forward no i think i think they're going to be playing a completely different style i think and you mentioned it like we i i actually was campaigning for Ralph Kruger to be the Sabres coach a couple of years ago in the search before he was really even a candidate. But the reason why was because I was looking for something different, not Mm -hmm. just the same old retread head coach over and over and over. Like, let's get some new blood in here. Let's try something a little bit different. And a guy that had coached mostly at the international level that 
has been given a lot of credit as not just like a hockey thinker. Like he's just an overall smart guy. Like the guy was on the world economic forum. The guy was running a premier league soccer team. Like this is clearly a multi-talented individual. Like let's bring him in here. Maybe we'll do things a little bit differently. Problem is it would look exactly the same as the previous coach. It looked not uh, Housley two coaches ago, Dan Bilesma, where the, just the defenseman, there's no movement. It looked like he was trying to play the New Jersey Devils early 2000s trap. Like he was trying to shut things down and there was nothing fresh. He was burying young players in the roster that weren't getting opportunities. Casey Middlestad had a breakout year last year and Kruger didn't put him in the lineup for like two weeks to even get a chance to look at him. So once he was fired though, I think a lot of coaches might not change things midseason. They might ride it out with that system the rest of the way, not put too much on their players. Don Granado did not do that. Don Granado took over that bench and he immediately changed the style and changed the way he deployed his players. There was a much more up and down the ice tempo, used the speed of the team, and he used the young players of the team in expanded roles. Middlestad, I mentioned, was either playing fourth line or he was in the press box when Ralph Kruger was the coach last year. Don Granato takes over. He's the second line center. Like we're putting them out there because we're not going to be good anyway. Let's find out what we have in these young pieces. Dylan Cousins was playing a lot of third line wing for Ralph Kruger, and he was doing pretty well at it. So what did Don Granato do? Let's give him an expanded opportunity. Let's let's really teach this guy what it's like to be in the NHL. Let's put him up against Sidney Crosby like he did a couple of times against the Penguins over and over and over. And Cousins did pretty well in it. He embraced it. So I think really empowering the young players, giving the young players expanded opportunities and not just trying to squeak into the playoffs with 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 Riley Shands and Kyle Oposos and these 30 year old guys that are over the hill. I think that change in mindset and that change in st- system and style, Granado kind of already got to. So I think this coming year, I think one thing Sabre fans might be excited about that isn't wins and losses, because I don't think that's going to do it for you, <laughs> is the coach recognizes that this is a rebuilding team and that he's got to get these young players going. He's got to create a new core of young players that's going to take this team somewhere in the coming years. And I think guys like Cousins and guys like Middlestat, and he completely fixed Rasmus Dahlin, who was having a bad start to last year. He fixed Henry Yoki Haru, a good young defenseman for the Sabres, with a bad start to last year. I just think there was at least four or five young guys, like early 20s, that he already had turned around last year that I would think next year they could flourish with him as the head coach. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I think really excites fan bases, even if the wins and losses aren't there right away. And before we let you go, we're going to usually I've been asking people, what are the expectations for this coming season? But I think that's not really relevant to the Sabres right now. I think Mm. the better question for the Sabres are what's the expectation to how many years until they get into a a territory where it's Mm. not just fun, but they're starting to win games? How long do you think this rebuild should take? I think it should probably take three years. I think. This year is going to be, it's going to look pretty bad. They're going to have a lot of bad games. I actually think the blue line is good. I think the blue line is above average in the NHL. Uh, I think Darlene and Yoki Haru is a top pair. Like, I, I think that's going to work. The problem is they're not going to be able to score goals. So even, even if, and it might be a stretch to say they're above average on the blue line, even if you, war- if you give me that, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league at scoring goals. And they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league in that. And that's going to really offset it. They're not going to score and they're not going to stop pucks. So to me, you got to rebuild both of those areas. 
So I would say three years. Owen Power is going to take a year to get here. I think it's good that he's playing at Michigan anyway. Uh, Eric Portillo is a goalie prospect that's playing at Michigan this year, starting everyone's at Michigan this year. Um, he's starting at Michigan this year. He'll be a couple years away. Ukapeka Lukanen's another goalie prospect that might win the starting job even this season. And I'm interested to see how far away he might be from being uh, a top goalie in the league. So they've got to figure out goalie, but that's going to be a couple years forward kind of the same thing the Isaac Rosen I mentioned earlier they got in the Ristolainen trade he's a couple years away Cousins is in his second year I think before he really hits his prime is probably the year after maybe the year after that Middlestat same thing like kind of needs another year of development a lot of the guys they're going to count on are about one or two years away and then usually there's a natural progression right this year is going to be down in the dumps you're going to get another high draft pick Next year, all right, you take a step forward. Maybe you don't make the playoffs. I would imagine they don't, but maybe you're in the race until March, and then maybe you fizzle out a little bit. Maybe you end up being eight or nine points out by the end of the season, and then the next year, it's go time. The next year, it's we're going for the playoffs, and maybe you even make it because all of our young pieces are all coming together and are all ready to kind of make that jump together as a unit, and that really hasn't happened here. Even when they got Jack Eichel, they hit the fast-forward button. Eichel arrived and it's they cashed in. They sent away. They had a they had a the cupboards of prospects that they just spent and spent and spent on Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly and Josh Georges. And I think the 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 goal this year this time will be to not do that to let the young pieces kind of grow together and not just throw everything at the wall and go acquire the best available veteran player. So I think they're going to be patient. I think that's going to be tough because we're already at a 10 year playoff drought here, which yeah. is going to be an NHL record. Um, but on the overall, I think we're probably realistically about three years away, but I will throw one example out there to, to end here that it doesn't have to take three years. The Colorado avalanche five years ago had one of the worst regular seasons we've ever seen with 48 points in an 82 game season. The next year they had 96 points and we're in the playoffs. So I'm not predicting that's going to happen. I don't think that's likely to happen, but it is the NHL where there's a lot of parody. And while I guess it's going to be three years, uh, it could, it could be quicker. Yeah. I mean, random things like that happen all the time in the NHL teams can catch fire, especially when you have a a bunch of young kids that, you know, don't know that they're supposed to be bad and they overperform and you can be surprising to a lot of teams. So there's potential for unscheduled fun. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> for Unscheduled fun is such a good that that should be their their slogan for the, for the season. <laughs> Although it's not fun. That is not happening with Craig Anderson, though. No, oh, probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he has these seasons where you're like, well, how is he stopping everything? Yeah. He's so old. But yeah, it, it's unlikely. But you never know. He There's a always a possibility. Game. He had a good playoff game last year. Yeah, he can, did. Can you do that 40 more times? Yeah. That, I mean, he's usually money in the playoffs if you can get him there. Who yeah. knows at this age? But anyway, uh, thanks so much for doing this, Joe. And before I let you go, plug some of your stuff. Tell us what you got going on at the radio station at Locked On Sabres at Locked On NHL. Sure. Uh, yeah. Busy guy these days. Uh, Locked On Sabres at Locked On Sabres on Twitter. You could check us out wherever you're listening to this podcast at, uh, on the Odyssey app. We're doing YouTube now, so you can check out our YouTube channel. 
uh, Locked On NHL as well. We just wrapped up our top 50 list, top 50 players in the NHL. Uh, me and Rachel Donner will be recording later tonight. That episode will be made available to you on Friday morning. Uh, if you're listening or you're around, uh, you don't even need to be around anymore because it's 2021. We got online. Uh, you can listen to WGR 550. If you want more on the Bills, I'm doing 10 to 12 on WGR in Buffalo uh, on the Extra Point Show with my man Sal Capaccio. So we're doing uh, a lot of Bill stuff there as well. Um, I'm doing the pregame show too now for the bills, which is really fun. That actually might be the most fun thing that I'm doing right now because I'm in the stadium for that. Um, that has been a dream come true just to be sitting on the stadium in the stadium press box where you grew up watching your favorite team. Um, yeah, you could catch me before bills games as well from, uh, from 10 to one. Um, but that's on WGR as well. Also on the Odyssey app. You can really check me out everywhere on the Odyssey app. So I would say that's the place to find me. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, Joey. Really appreciate you, appreciate you doing this. And hey, if the Sabres surprise this year, maybe we'll have you back on to talk some. I, 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 I won't count on seeing your face again for a while, <laughs> then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe around draft time, if you guys get the first overall pick again. That's If, if there's a tank race, then then maybe you'll want to have me on. Yeah, there the, you go. We I Just real quick, the Coyotes have Carter Hutton starting in net this year so they're not the sabers aren't the only team that are doing some tanky things this is true moving darcy camper was a move that uh, signaled they were going to tank this year for sure yeah all right thanks so much joe and uh, enjoy the rest of your day yeah you too built bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there's something for everyone coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream german chocolate That's the basic ones, and you've even got some special limited edition flavors that come in now and then. If you haven't tried all the flavors, or you're an adventurous person, you can get a mixed box, where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, covered in chocolate, and easy to chew, they're healthy too. Check this out. Each protein bar contains 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Hi and welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with Mike DiStefano from Locked On Leafs. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing all right. Doing well. Excited for the season to start. We are officially one week away from training camp, so ready to go. Finally, some news is going to start happening. We'll see some, maybe some guys that have been on the sidelines here waiting for contracts sign at the last second. Once there's some injuries in training camp, or maybe some guys disappoint or whatever. It's not hope for fun. Let's not hope for the injuries. Yes, not hope for in, but they're they're inevitable, right? Somebody's going to get hurt, and holes will need to be filled. And some teams will go with their younger guys, and some teams will uh, find some guys in the free agent market that are still hanging around. Uh, so. The Leafs are obviously setting in, uh, heading into a year that's very important. Uh, this is not necessarily the last kick at the can, but it seems like for Kyle Dubis and co, this year is a year where they have to make some bank in the playoffs in order to uh, win back Leafs Nation, we'll say, after so many disappointments in the first round. But before we get into that, let's go on very simple terms. Compared to last year on the roster, who's in and who's out? Oh, boy. All right. So the big missing piece of this team as of now, I mean, it's Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. Like that is a massive hole that that was left behind here. Right. Jettison to uh, over to Edmonton. He's going to go and probably play with Connor McDavid, put up a bunch of points. And then Leafs Nation's going to be in shambles because 
He was doing that for us last year, and he's one of the more underrated players in the entire NHL, I think. Like, legitimately, he is a true, like, true two-way uh, stud in this league. But uh, So that's that's definitely the biggest loss from this team. Nick Foligno uh, didn't end up re-signing here. He went to Boston, somebody who came in midway through the year. Zach Bogosian, who surprisingly kind of rebuilt himself here in Toronto. Well, I guess he did it before coming here, but had a good season with the Maple Leafs last year. Um, showed, you know, he was one of the more physical defensemen, played on the right side. So they didn't really find a, a replacement for that. And that's really been the biggest issue. They haven't replaced much. And Freddie Anderson, I guess, is the, the final big name that uh, that has left the roster here for Toronto, you know, long time starting goaltender had some injuries last year and then Jack Campbell really just took over and there was no more need for a guy who was looking to make, what did he get? 4.8 million, I think 4.4 in Carolina. That wasn't going to fly here. So, so he's also gone um, coming to Toronto though. Like I said, they didn't, they, they went trying to go by like a committee, throw some darts and hopefully something sticks I guess the biggest name is they got goaltender Peter Morazic, so they kind of just swapped goalies with uh, with Carolina, and so he's going to come in and be a tandem with Jack Campbell. So we'll see how that ends up turning out. But uh, up front, like I said, Felino gone, Hyman gone, and that's been replaced with. Uh, like there's a couple <laughs> of names that they brought in, right? Like Michael Bunting is an interesting name that they brought in from Arizona. He had a, a, a good ending to the year. Nick Ritchie, complete opposite, had a good start to the year. And then once Taylor Hall came in, he got moved down the lineup and then kind of became a little bit of a, a just a, a guy. So they're bringing him in, expecting for both of those guys to maybe compete for a top six role. Um, and then they didn't really make a, a move defensively. It just sounds like they're going to roll with – Rasmus Sandin and, and Travis Dermott to try and replace the 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 hole left by Zach Bogosian. So those are, I guess, like the big names. Andre Kasha they brought in as well, um, but those are pretty well the names of the, the guys who are who've departed Toronto and now come and uh, are now new faces here with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it sure seems like the Maple Leafs are trying to make some bets that uh, I, I don't want to say that they're necessarily boom or bust players. But guys like Andre Kasha, who has a long history of excellent play when he's healthy, you know, hasn't been able to be healthy for a long stretch. Right. That's the key word there is healthy. Yeah. Like, this and, is a guy who the last couple of seasons really has not been able to stay on the ice. And, and yeah. that's the biggest issue. And that's why they were able to get him so cheap. Right. Like they, they got him for was like a million bucks, which is, is variable if he's not able to play and something you could just stick on IR and it's not going to hurt you. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it's been just a lot of dart throws and, and they'll see hopefully something sticks. And one of these guys who they're hoping can fill in for the, in the top six can turn out to be a decent selection. And one of the more interesting ones is a professional tryout contract signed way before training camp for Josh yeah. Osang, right? A guy that has, has NHL talent that everybody's known since before he was drafted, but hasn't been able to figure it out in the pros is he a guy that they're looking at maybe to essentially do the same thing as they did with Alex Galchenyuk, essentially put him in the American hockey league, boost his confidence throughout the year and then call him up when things matter. Probably like, I don't, I don't think he's going to factor into this, this uh, like the opening night, the opening 12, right? Like I don't think that he'll crack the opening night roster, 
but it is strange how he signed a PTO on like the first day of free agency. Like that, that never happens. That just doesn't ever. No. Um, so it is, it is a little bizarre and odd to, of that. And we'll see what ends up happening. Um, I think they, they, because he's in on a PTO that allowed him to kind of start training with them throughout the entire summer. And maybe that was the plan. They're like, okay, we'll see how you feel and how you look through the summer. And then hopefully you have a good camp and we can sign you to a contract, sign you to a, you know, a one way or a two way deal. I'm sure it'll be close to Leagueman anyway. So it's not really going to matter. Um, and probably more so of a Marley's guy. I don't see a, a fit for him on the roster. There's probably 14, 13, 14, maybe as much as 15 guys who I see ahead of him on a depth chart. So there's going to have to be a rash of injuries for him to come up, but injuries are inevitable. So building up that depth, uh, certainly is, is, is good. The issue with that career, there's been a lot of turmoil with it. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening with him. But like you said, Alex Yalchayuk was a good reclamation project. Perhaps they can do the same this season with uh, with him. With these changes that the Maple Leafs have not necessarily wanted to make, I would say, but were forced to make just by virtue of the salary cap and contracts ending. Do you see a change in the Leafs' style of play going forward this year? Because last year, I think the focus was pretty heavily on defense. Not that they lacked offense, but they were a good defensive team for the first time in this core's time with the, with the Maple Leafs. With maybe with uh, Sandine coming in and maybe even uh, Lilligren making the team because eventually those young guys are going to have to have a spot on that defensive core. Do you see that they're going to maybe push things a little bit more towards the offensive side? Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think they'll probably stick to to what they did last year. I thought it was it was a pretty good recipe for success. I mean, they won the division. They they won a lot of games. They they looked good. The problem was just like the offense was lacking the playoffs. Like things kind of went a little bit awry in the playoffs. But I, I like the style that they did where they, they had guys like Marner and Matthews and Nylander even towards the end of the year who were playing a responsible two-way game. And, and I think that is exactly what this team needs to do to have success. And eventually they will like they have so much skill up front that even if they are focusing on playing a two-way game, they're gonna score goals, they're gonna put up points, they're gonna win games. So I, I think there was enough success last year in the style, the way that they played, that I believe that that should be the, the you know, what they should be doing moving forward. Absolutely. And I think this is probably the easiest question to answer from a fan perspective, but maybe for a management perspective, it might be a little bit different. Uh, what are the expectations for next season for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I mean, this team has to make a deep run. I think they got to make a deep run. Like if this is a first round exit, that's, that's curtains for Dubas and company. Yeah. It's like, a disaster. Massive sweeping changes with this team. If they, if there's another first round exit. So, and the, the, it's going to be tough. Like this is a tough division. They're going back to divisional rounds. Their first round opponent, it could potentially be like Tampa yep. or Boston or Florida, who I think greatly improved this season. So it's not even like, the first round is going to be a, you know, an easy opponent like the Montreal Canadians. I think that's unlikely that they have an any easier opponent than they had a season ago. So, you know, it, the expectation is to win. The expectation is to make a deep run, but it's easier said than done. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that's the thing with the Maple Leafs is like, there will be some catharsis if they get out of the first round. But I think as much as that's like, the hump that you have to get over 
nobody's actually satisfied with that, right? Like they want to see this core actually push for a cup run. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I've been posed this question a couple times. Like if they went around, like, is that good enough to keep the flies off them? And I don't, I'm not sure. I guess it would depend. Like if they get a second round exit and it's an ugly, you know, four or five games, that might be, you know, curtains as well. Right. Like I don't think just because you win one round, that means that this team can stay intact and keep going the way you've been doing and moving forward. I, I think if they win one round and they get eliminated in the second, that second round at least has to be competitive. And like yeah. I said, it's going to be a tough matchup. Like odds are it's a team like Tampa or Boston. Like it's, it's going to be tough if they get swept or if they get dummied um, and they don't look good, they don't look like they can compete. And I think some reshuffling is going to have to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go there, Mike, can you just, Plug some stuff. What do you got going with the with the locked on Maple Leafs or your day job? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like go over to Locked On Leafs. We got tons of Leaf stuff coming up. Like I said, we're a week away from the start of training camp, so we'll start doing all of our season previews. I know that we're doing these right now for the cross check show. So obviously, we're going to start really ramping up, uh, taking a look at all the the new faces. Who's in, who's out, um, just put over. I don't know if you saw these, the athletic fan surveys that have been going around, but they just put out the Leafs one and, and the results of it. So this past, uh, the episode that dropped today is me kind of going over that and discussing what, uh, what the fan base thinks about Toronto. And let me tell you what, it's not optimistic. Let's, <laughs> that, let's, uh, I mean, let's, put it that way and that's not that surprising right i mean after a series of heartbreak you know it's it's gone from like last year there was some there was optimism with this team there's a lot of optimism a year later decent amount of pessimism with this team less optimism and now there's a little bit of tension between the fan base and the maple leafs yeah and there's only one way to fix that and that's success that's that's just win baby Exactly. Little, little the famous baby. quote. All right. win, baby. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, Mike. Uh, we'll try to get you on later on in the season to talk some Maple Leafs as well. Yeah, I would love to. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly seemingly intimidating questioning and wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry at a price that maybe you can't afford. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when rockauto.com sells parts for the same price to both professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? Not only that, rockauto.com is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So you know that you're dealing with something, somebody that isn't a nameless, faceless corporation, somebody that actually cares about your needs. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever, ever need rockauto.com all right mary it's time for our pop culture roulette segment and 
I'm excited to talk about a crazy documentary that I saw on Netflix the other day. But first, I think you had something that you wanted to talk about as well. Okay, yes, I do. Uh, so last night on Wednesday the 15th was the sixth anniversary of a video game called Undertale. That's uh, a really cool video game where its whole premise is you don't have to have to fight people. It's like an RPG, but you don't have to fight people. You can instead spare them in the whole... I guess gimmick of the game is you can get through without you know killing anybody so it's really neat uh it's you know like a like almost like an 8-bit type game uh really interesting graphics i mean very simplistic stuff but looks it still looks really good um so yesterday was the uh sixth anniversary of it and i played the game with my friends and i highly recommend it it's like quite a short game uh cool art style incredible music absolutely one of my favorite uh, video game soundtracks um, of all time and so that came out and then a couple years after Undertale came out the creator of the game Toby Fox was like randomly dropped a game called Deltarune which is Undertale but mixed around like the word um, which features a similar art style different characters but some of the same characters nobody knows if it's really a prequel a sequel or just like a follow-up to it. Uh, so he dropped it randomly and was like, hey, so Undertale was actually like um, like the prototype to what I actually want to do with this type of story, uh, which is incredible because Undertale was like an incredible success story. And uh, so to hear him be like, oh, uh, this wasn't actually what I wanted to do the whole time is wild. Uh, so that dropped randomly and Deltarune was like a three-hour game with different characters, but similar characters. So people were trying to figure out where... And how, you know, it fit within the world itself. Um, and then we had heard, like, he wasn't going to release the rest of the game until it was finished. And then last night on the sixth anniversary of Undertale, he was like, well, here's chapter two for y'all. Uh, so it comes out on Friday and I'm stupid excited about this because, uh, like I said, I played Undertale with my friends. Uh, so I have a lot of, you know, personal history wrapped up in this game. The games are incredible. Um, like I said, the music is fantastic. Um I don't know. Just the vibes are good. I'm really looking forward to seeing what's next for this. Uh, I don't know how many chapters they're going to be because I was convinced we wouldn't see the rest of this story for some time because, you know, it's a game basically built by one person doing all the music, a lot of the art by himself. I mean, I think he's now got a small team with him, but a lot of this, at least the original Undertale, was basically all done by one person. Um, and it turned into an incredible success. Uh, so I definitely recommend you play Undertale and the two chapters of Deltarune when the second comes out on Friday. Um, the short games, they've got some really interesting humor. Um, it's more like internet culture type thing, but like it, you know, rags on it, but at the same time, you know, embraces it. It's like more more the heartwarming variety of internet culture. Um, so I definitely recommend it. And I'm super excited to play the second chapter because i didn't think we would get it i thought we'd be waiting like five more years to get the rest of the game so happy surprise for me on this thursday so now i'm gonna replay <laughs> now, now i'm gonna replay um the first chapter of deltarune probably later today i started to replay undertale but that's a little bit of a longer game um so i'll probably just make sure i replay the first chapter of deltarune before it comes out tomorrow night so very excited for that um definitely highly recommend on the list of video games if you guys want to add that to your backlogs very cool. Uh, I watched a documentary that was suggested to me on Twitter that is actually about hockey, so it's not as much pop culture as it is about hockey, but it's called Untold Crime and Penalties. And Mary, have you seen The Sopranos? Have you watched The Sopranos? Through? No, I'm sorry. Okay. I think that was. Well, I think it's all, before my time. 
it's timeless. Trust me. It's one of the greatest series of all time. But uh, it follows essentially this family in Connecticut that is supposedly possibly what The Sopranos was based on, this family. And the mobster, his son is named AJ, just like uh, Tony Soprano in The Sopranos. His son is named AJ. And AJ falls in love with hockey as a kid. But when he's a teenager, he gets an injury to his leg to the point where he can't play anymore. And he was like a goon, essentially. He was like a hard-hitting agitator. That's the way he played the game. And he's just devastated that he can't play anymore. And his dad's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy a hockey team in the UHL, which I had honestly never heard of. But they bought a team and moved it to Danby, Connecticut, I think is what it was. And he made his 17-year-old son the GM and president of this team. I feel like I did hear about this. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, what we're going to do is just, like, intimidate the hell out of every other team. So he's going through, like, I'm or not IMDb, HockeyDB, and finding guys, like, the most penalties and watching, like, fight videos and getting guys who've been, like, arrested for, like, fighting six guys in bars and signing them to this team. And then he also, like, finds these, like, uh, diamonds in the rough. Uh, these like one guy who uh, lost an eye when he was trying out for the NHL, but he's like a minor league killer, right? Like over a point per game. And he's paying all these guys under the table in cash. So that they're not avo- like, they're not subject to like the league salary things. And they're just, they crush the league. They're like winning 70% of their games and it's an absolute bloodbath. And the fans like fall in love. It goes like unbelievably crazy. This documentary was one of the funniest wildest things that i've watched in the last little while it was it's hard to even put into words how crazy it is and the fact that this isn't a bigger story that we've talked about many times in the years since because this all happened essentially during the uh 0405 lockout okay and at one point they even signed mike rupp because there's no hockey going on and they bring him onto this team as like their ringer and uh, they have interviews with all the former players and Mike Rupp's even in it. And you're like, how did this happen? Like the commissioner of the league was trying to shut them down. And eventually he sees that like they've created such a, a force in that fan base and like created such a strong fan base that he's like, whatever, I like them now. <laughs> it's just like they completely took over a league out of nowhere. It's absolutely wild and i highly recommend it that's that's incredible i feel like i did hear about maybe the documentary i get did it just come out is that like yeah it, it dropped a couple weeks ago I think. okay i think that's why i heard about it i think people were because when you mentioned that the that the 17 year old was like the president gm was like okay that's right i did hear about this that's cool how long is it it wasn't long i think it was only about an hour okay cool so like, it, it's it's part of a series like this untold series i don't know who published it originally it might have just it might just be a netflix series but it is like there's other uh sports stuff that they've gone into like they had one on i think it was uh the detroit pistons maybe uh, I, don't, I don't know i don't know enough about basketball it was something like malice in the palace i assume that was the detroit pistons they were like very aggressive team in the 80s but uh, anyway very worth watching but uh, that's all we have for you today on the crosscheck nhl show we'll be back with you next week with some more interviews and some more hockey talk and maybe some cool stuff will happen between now and then we don't know maybe it'll be a big uh, big news story but uh, until then we got to leave you with some promo for locked on bets betting on the nhl doesn't have to be a guessing game 
If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicap expert Lee Sterling, get uh, daily picks, blowout specials, and wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. 